In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. It's good to see everyone today. It almost feels like a normal day. Um, thank God. Uh, today is the fourth Sunday of the month of Tut, um, and we read the very familiar story that we read actually in the in the Gospel um, in the second watch hour uh, or the second watch of the midnight hour. Um, this woman, who was a sinful woman and had a reputation for being a harlot and a prostitute and a sinful woman, she decided that she wanted to change her life and to, to lead a different kind of life. And she knew that Jesus was in the house of Simon, Simon who was a Pharisee. And so she was very courageous, and she decided that she was going to go to where he was, even though he was in a place that would be considered hostile for her, because the Pharisees were very judgmental people. And they were not going to look kindly, especially imagine that you are hosting the Lord in your own house and a prostitute from the street comes into your house and starts conversing with and starts washing the feet of Christ with her hair and crying there while you are sitting with Christ at the table. You know, like it's, it's maybe easy for us to read the story and to say, oh, well, you know, obviously, you know, this woman is a repentant woman and she did such a great thing and the, the gospel speaks about her and Christ spoke positively about her. But if you try to put yourself in the position of Simon, the Pharisee, many of us would be very, you know, turned off and, and kind of offended by a scene like this. It's like, who invited you to come into my house and to do this while I have the Lord with me in the house? But the Lord, after seeing what it is that she did and washing his feet with her hair and the great love that she had and the great repentance that she had, he says in verse 47, Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. Like Christ, seeing the, the action, the steps that she took, he from this, he forgave her, her sins and said it is because she has loved much. It, she's expressed so much her love for, for Christ that he has forgiven her. Um, and many times people are afraid, um, people are afraid to do something similar to what this, this woman has done. You know, imagine someone in a position like this who has a bad reputation, she might be afraid to come and to be seen by other people, that maybe they, that when she's seen by other people they will be offended at her and they will give her bad looks and judge her. Um, maybe she's afraid to be exposed, that people will know who she is and the sins and that her, her, her sins will be exposed. Maybe people are even afraid to go to confession because their sins will be exposed. Also, she could have been afraid of being rejected by God himself. What if she goes to Christ and instead of accepting her, he says, you're such a bad woman. You know, how is it that you can come to me and touch me and do this after you have led a life of sin? So we see actually this woman is a model for all of us as a model of repentance, of how much that God wants us to pursue repentance and how much he is able to accept those who come without fear of rejection. And this is what we're going to speak about today, is the fear of rejection. And what are some things that we can learn from this woman um, re regarding this fear, this fear of being rejected? The first fear that she could have had definitely was the fear of being rejected by people, right? Um, she was certainly entering into very unfriendly territory where she was going. The, the Simon the Pharisee was not going to be uh, kind to her. He was not going to be understanding to her at all. Um, and the Pharisees, even though that they were the teachers of the law, they did not understand the mercy of God. They focused so much on the judgment of God and on how God judges sinners. And that's why they were so meticulous in so many of the finer points 
of their religion and the washing and the cleaning and observing these things, but they, they, they fail to observe the mercy. They fail to observe the reason behind why God had made all these commandments was to show love and mercy and kindness to people. So he was going to be very quick to judge. And even the Pharisees and other in another time, when they saw Christ sitting at the table with tax collectors and sinners, they rebuked Christ and they said, how is it that you can come and you can sit with these people? So they certainly felt that they were a class above, higher and better than this woman, definitely. But again, like I said before, if we put ourselves in his position, maybe all of us, when we would look at someone who lives a life as a prostitute, maybe we also think that we are better than such a person. Um, and we would look at a, such a person and not judge that that person actually deserves of salvation or that person could even have salvation or could change or could have anything good come out of them. And this is what the Pharisees thought. So he said in verse 39, he said, This man, about Christ, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Right? For she is a sinner. So he said, if this man truly is a prophet, if this man truly is someone special, then he would know that this woman is not someone you should associate with. This is a person you want to avoid. This is not a person that you want to have any kindness to at all, because this person is a sinner. Right? And sadly, we hear stories like this even in our modern times in the churches where there are people who maybe uh, made mistakes in their life or did something wrong that they shouldn't have done, and yet they are wanting to change, they're wanting to change their life, and they want to come to the church, and yet they say, what, every time I come to the church, the people give me looks, the people reject me, the people don't want to make friends with me, the people don't want to talk to me, the people don't want to include me, right? And it makes them turn away, right? Even someone who is sincerely coming to find salvation can be turned away simply because of us who are not mindful of the things of God, who are not merciful like, like God is merciful, even to those who maybe we feel are the most object objectionable in society. Um, so someone might, might not want to come, and they'll say, what will people think of me? What will people say about me? Um, and so the devil stirs in such a person this fear, this fear of rejection, okay? Um, actually, Christ himself was rejected. Right, We know that Christ was rejected in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. That Christ was chosen by God and precious, and yet he was rejected by men. This is why our judgment, our human judgment, is very weak and frail. This is why God says, do not judge, simply because we are not good judges. We cannot judge. We do not know how to judge. It is not that judgment is wrong. It's that we are not the ones to do it. We don't have the ability to judge rightly because we only can judge based on what our senses tell us, based on an exterior judgment. Whereas, whereas God judges the heart. He knows and pierces the soul and knows each person, right, in a way that we will never know. Um, and actually, it was to these outcasts and people like this that Christ came. They were the ones that would hear his message. The Pharisees never heard the message. They never accepted it. They always rejected it, and they actually killed Christ because of his message. But the people like this, the harlots, the tax collectors, the sinners, these are the people that heard the message of God, and they rejoiced because it offered them salvation that they never believed that they could attain. And in Psalm 147, it says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. All the outcasts, all the people who had been rejected by man, God is the one who rounds them up and tells them, no, I have a place for you in my kingdom. So this woman, um, she did not enter the house at all to win favor for herself from Simon the Pharisee. 
but she was entering into a very hostile place, and yet despite of this, she came. She came to see Christ because Christ was there. And you know what? She could have said what? I'm going to wait outside. I'm going to wait until Christ leaves. And then when he leaves, then I will go to him. She didn't even wait. I mean, she could have waited like a couple hours maybe and found Christ some other place, but she didn't do this. She chose this time because she knew where he was and she went to him in her current situation right at that moment. She didn't delay or put it off even for a minute. And maybe we've all experienced times where we have some kind of uh, feelings of uh, regret, maybe over something that we've done, maybe something that we have put off confessing for a long time. And then I say to myself, you know what, I need to go confess. But I'm going to maybe call Abuna tomorrow and set up a time for confession. I'm not going to do it right now. Or I'm busy right now, I'm not going to do it. And then tomorrow, oh, I'm busy that day too, so I'm going to call the next day. And what started out as a conviction of the Holy Spirit for me to really want to do the right thing turned into what? Delay after delay after delay for one reason or the other. But this woman didn't do this. She came, she, she didn't fear being rejected by anyone. She came to Christ immediately in the moment. That's the first thing we learn about from her. The second is the fear of committing to a new life. This moment that we read about in the life of this woman, this is just one moment. This is just one action. And even though it was a very profound and dramatic thing that she did to go and to you know, come into the Pharisee's house and to sit on the ground and to wipe the feet of Christ, right? This was very dramatic, but it was just one moment, right? What about tomorrow? What would it look like? What about the next day? What would it look like, right? The, the repentance of the woman was not simply going to anoint the Lord and then going out to a life that was essentially the same as it was before. It was a different kind of life. It was a brand new life. It wasn't a life that looked anything like the life that she had before, right? This was only the first step in repentance. Uh, her story reminds me of St. Moses, St. Moses the Strong, who also had lived a very sinful life. And then he, when he found about the monastery and the monks in the monastery, he was attracted to this life and he wanted to be a monk. And he joined the monastery as a monk. But the f fact that he joined the monastery didn't mean that all of his passions, that all of his sinful desires, that all of his weaknesses simply vanished. Actually, he continued to struggle against these for a very, very long time. The story of St. Moses says about him, St. Moses went to another one of the desert fathers and asked him, what shall I do? For thoughts of lust which arise from my former habits are attacking me. St. Moses was advised to increase his prayers, vigils, and fasting in order to dispel those images from his mind. St. Moses took the advice, went back to his cell, and for seven years plunged himself into severe ascetic practices. St. Moses spent nights standing in prayer and would not lie down or even bend his knee to close his eyes. Like this is such a severe um, image of a person who has really repented and decides that they do never want to go back to sin again. It wasn't a one-time deep and emotional prayer. It wasn't a one-time confession. It wasn't a one-time washing the feet of Christ. It wasn't a one-time feeling of remorse. No, it was a lifetime of discipline in order not to go back again to the life that he had. Because sadly and unfortunately, the habits and the sins that we develop in our life become difficult to overcome. And they require a lot of effort, 
right? And it is not to say that it is in vain, and it is not to say that we cannot succeed. We can. But we shouldn't be fooled into thinking that a one-time confession is suddenly going to make our life go in a completely different direction. To make our life go in a completely different direction means we need to make consistently different decisions, right? And it's not to say that suddenly our weaknesses will disappear, but our, our, our discipline, our action, the things that we choose to do to help us overcome the sin is what needs to change, right? The, the life that I choose to live, the, the decisions that I choose to take. The repentance requires a change of mind and lifestyle, right? A change of mind and lifestyle in general, not just a one-time moment of, of remorse. And so by coming to Christ, this woman is committing to that lifestyle. You know, she's not going to go and, and wash his feet in, in this dramatic manner that she is, and then later that night go and continue her harlotry, right? Like that, that, doesn't, that wouldn't fit such a woman. That wouldn't fit her to do this. Like for her to take such a dramatic step, such a public step, and to be able to endure the, the ridicule that she would face by doing this, right? It's, it's a person who really has chosen a new life. It's not a person who just does this as a, as a one-day thing. Um, also, she would be leaving behind people, right? Like her decision is going to have real-world consequences. What about all of the other people? You know, who would you typically see would be like her friends? Are going to be other people that kind of are in the same business as her, like other people that are at the same level of life as her, doing similar things as her. Those are going to be her peer group, right? And she's going to leave behind these people, right? Because she can no longer associate herself with this lifestyle at all. And it reminds us of what Christ said. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What does he mean when he says hate mother and brother? He's not saying that we hate our, our relatives. He's saying that we do not allow anyone, no matter how close they are to us, from hindering us to come to him. If a person in my life is hindering me from coming to the Lord, then this person, we cannot associate with them. They are a bad influence on us, right? And this applies certainly to this woman. She is leaving her entire life behind in this moment, right? And she is not afraid of this. She, she believes that God will provide a new life for her. She, we, she believes that God is going to make her, her, her life different. She's not going to go back and, and continue the life that she had. This needs a lot of um, thought and preparation. This is why when Christ says, um, count the cost for being my disciple, you know, count the cost. And he gives the analogy of someone who is going to build a big tower. And he says, if you're going to build a tower, you have to make sure you have the materials and the money to build the tower before you start. Or if you're going to go to war, you have to make sure that you have the army and the supplies and everything that you need in order to succeed in the war before you start. A foolish person is the person who goes to war and then realizes in the middle of the war, I can't win this war. Or builds a tower and then in the middle realizes, I don't have enough material to complete the tower. Right? That's why he's saying this is an analogy for being a disciple of the Lord. What is it that God is asking us to do? Certainly this woman, when she went here to Christ, she thought through what this decision means for her and how that's going to affect the rest of her life. The third thing we learn from this woman is about the fear of forsaking her job, right? Because this, this decision, yes, it affected her in many ways. It also affected the way that she would even earn her money, right? Because this was her profession. This is the way that she lived. And when you can think of a woman who has a reputation for being a harlot, who is not married, who is living in this time period, 
it isn't going to necessarily be very easy for her to go and to find another job to do. Maybe this is all she can do. Maybe she's uneducated and she doesn't have other skills that she can do. And she has a bad reputation and everyone is going to look at her, right? She decided to make this decision despite the real world physical consequences that it would have on her life. And, you know, sometimes we, we make decisions, maybe not such extreme like this, but we make decisions of things that are convenient and good for our career. And sometimes we sacrifice um, our spiritual life as a result. I remember actually I was in the car with His Grace Bishop Yusuf and he was talking with a person who wanted to move um, from somewhere to another place. And he was asking Sayyidna about, is this a good place to live? You know, and so Sayyidna was very honest with him and he says, we don't have any churches anywhere near this area. The closest church is like three hours away. And he told them, you're coming from a place where you have a lot of services in your church. And if you move here, you're going to find a huge difference in the quality of like the services that are offered um, because you're going to have to drive for so long to get to church and your kids are not going to benefit from being in Sunday school and so on and so on. He listed a bunch of things. And the man, you know, you could tell from that he really wanted to go there because the job opportunity that he was given was so good. And he kept arguing. And he said, no, but this is such a good place. And Sayyidah told him, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you this is what you can expect if you go there, right? And you could sense that there is this battle going on. Part of us says, you know what? Um, this is such a great opportunity. We're going to make a lot of money. We're going to have a good career and so on. And the other part is saying, but what do I have to give up to get it, right? And so this woman certainly had to make this choice. And she said, I'm going to give up everything. I'm going to give up my, 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 my way of making a living right and have to find something completely different right and it reminds us also what christ said when he said no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon we cannot serve both we have to make a choice and oftentimes that choice that we make is going to result in some kind of a sacrifice that i do right and this woman, she didn't, she didn't worry about this. She didn't go think through all of this and say, well, how am I going to live? She said, the right thing, the best thing for me is to repent. The last thing we learn from her is about the fear of the rejection of, by the Lord himself. God is holy, which is why oftentimes when we think about him, when we look to him, we feel ashamed of ourselves because we often are not holy. We often are sinners, sinners. So when we come to approach God, like how many times do we hear people say, after I commit a sin, I don't even feel like I can stand before God and pray. I don't even feel like I can do it. I feel ashamed to stand in front of God and pray after I have committed some sin that, that I have done, right? In Hebrews 11:6, it says, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So even if I am a sinner, and even if I commit sin, the Lord is saying that he rewards those who diligently seek him, right? God is holy, yes, but that doesn't mean that he rejects those who are unholy, right? This is, the, this is the wonder of God. This is the mercy of God, the love of God. This is what makes God to be so great, right? It is not just that God is powerful and he can do miracles and he is supernatural and divine and all these things. It is the fact that he can accept those who reject him, that he can accept those who go against his will, right? Something very difficult for us as humans to do. Very difficult. If someone is, is constantly, actively, willfully disobeying me and doing things that hurt me, 
I don't want anything to do with this person. Like, I, I want to get away from this person. This person is someone harming me, right? But this is not how God is. God loves those who do not love Him. God loves those who sin against Him, right? And so she had to put this all on the line, that she was going to come to this place, that she was going to be in front of all these people, that she was going to admit her sin, that she was going to wash His feet, that she was going to do all this in the hope that Christ would not turn to her and say, get away from me, you sinner, sinful woman, right? Maybe it was very difficult to make that decision, right? That she knew that Christ would accept her despite her sin and her reputation. So sometimes we feel like we have sinned so much in our life that we cannot return and that God would not accept us. But this woman shows that this is not the case. She, she didn't just commit one sin. She, she had an occupation of sin. Right? She had a lifestyle of sin, right? but God desires the return of everyone who is a sinner. And this was manifest in his life. Who again did he spend time with? He spent time with sinners. And the sinners were the ones who accepted him. Sinners were the ones who changed their life and became saints because of him. Right? Not those who were the religious leaders. Also, when we read about St. Moses, St. Moses the Strong. What do we read about him? It says, When the time for his baptism came, St. Moses confessed all his past evil deeds publicly in the church. During his confession, St. Macarius saw a tablet that was all black representing the sins of St. Moses. An angel was seen wiping off every sin as it was confessed by St. Moses until finally the tablet was completely white. Like as St. Moses is confessing right before his baptism, you, this tablet of all his sins appeared like miraculously and then every sin was being wiped out as he was confessing one after the other after the other and at the time they would confess publicly right like he had to endure in front of all of these holy monks confessing every sin that he had committed in his life and 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 as he was like as a sign that god accepted him and is showing him mercy and forgave him his sins, he manifested this miracle so that we can see how every sin that we confess, that we confess is um, erased, right? And so it's a great example for us that any sin that we commit, that we confess, God erases. So finally, I just want to speak about how was this woman granted freedom from her fears, okay? In four main ways, okay? So we read this verse, If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Right? If we are going to be free from our fears of rejection, then it is the Lord who can make us free. She had these four aspects. One is she believed. She had faith. She trusted in the God's mercy. If she didn't believe, then she could not have gone there and, uh, and, 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 and embarrassed herself the way that she did if she didn't believe. She trusted that God was merciful. She had faith. She did work. Right? She bought the fragrant oil <clears throat> that was used to anoint his feet. She pushed herself to enter into the house where the Pharisee was. She manifested it humility in front of everybody. That was work that she did. It wasn't just that she had faith, but she had faith and she had work. Okay? She also had love. She loved the Lord. It says that she kissed his feet and that she was crying in her tears. Right? She, she loved the Lord. She knew that the Lord could save her. She knew that the Lord was good. Right? She didn't believe that the Lord was someone frightening she he wasn't she wasn't afraid of him in the sense that she 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 thought that she would be rejected by him but she loved him and she felt close to him and then finally she received grace 
which is the forgiveness of her sins by the Lord. In all these ways, we learn from this woman how is it that we should not be afraid of rejection and that all the thoughts of the fear of rejection that we have in our mind is actually a way that the devil uses to try to keep us away from salvation, to keep us away from forgiveness, to keep us away from confession, where actually we see that those who confess are actually the ones who are given the greatest gift, which is the gift of joy, the gift of feeling that I am lighthearted and free, that regardless of what this world does to me, that my eternal soul is secure in the Lord. May God grant us that we do not have any of these fears of rejection and that we are able to go to the Lord and confess and receive the forgiveness of our sins at any time. And glory be to God forever. Amen.